but we have stuff to discuss today, all right, this morning. And it's out of Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says, About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? All right? And this is a question, what they are asking is, Among us, Jesus, among the twelve, which one is the best? Okay? That is what they are asking Jesus in this moment. All right? And I, listen, I'm going to be real honest with you all. There are certain topics that I am just going to preach every so often because we need reminding. Like, we're gonna, you're going to hear me preach on repentance a lot here at Beaches Chapel because repentance is incredibly important. It is a gift that God has given us, and we, we need to be reminded about it all the time. But another one of those that we're talking about today is, is identity in terms of the trap of comparison. Okay, in the trap of comparison that we can find ourselves in without even noticing it. And as we see here, what the disciples are doing is how they're asking Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They're saying, Jesus, compare us, right? Rank us. Tell me who is the best among us. And though we might not be so bold in asking Jesus that very question, Jesus, who is the, the, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven among us, we will say to ourselves, maybe with our thoughts, at a dinner party or in church or at work or wherever we might find ourselves, who's the greatest in this room? Who's got the best marriage? Who's got the best house and the best car? Whose kids are the most well-behaved? What, what schools did they attend? And all these things, and we're asking these questions, and it's, just, it's like our brain just can't stop. And we are comparing ourselves with everybody else in the room. And it is a trap. And it's what the enemy loves to use to stunt our growth, to stop us in our tracks, in our walk with the Lord. And it is a trap, this trap of comparison. And I can pour my blood, sweat, and tears into a sermon. I can find the best verses in the Bible that talk about this and give these amazing revelation points that just blow your mind, right? I can tell the best jokes of these sermons and people can be crying as I'm preaching. Yes, brother, preach, faint, you know, falling out, getting slain in their seats, right? Over this amazing sermon on comparison. We can have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like what Pastor James said. I, I'm not going to do that anymore in Jesus' name. And thank you, Jesus. For... And we walk out into the parking lot. And we see someone with a nicer car than we have. One that we can't afford. And bam, we're right back there. Or we see someone with a better outfit. Or a better body. Right? Or their kids aren't running into the ditch when it's filled with rainwater. Right? They're actually listening to you. And all of a sudden, we're comparing, and we haven't even gotten to our car yet. It can happen like that. It's a laundry list of all sorts of things that we just look at everybody else, and we pick out what they have that we don't, and all of a sudden, I feel less about myself than I did a couple minutes ago. You really think that's the Lord? That sounds like the enemy to me. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6. This is Paul's instruction to Timothy. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. All right, verse 6 is especially what I want to look at this morning. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. All right, if you remember uh, math back in the day, this right here sounds like a word problem. This is algebra in the Bible. All right, this is what Paul is saying. X 
plus y equals z. All right, just bear with me here. All right, because what he's saying is godliness, so finding Jesus with, with contentment is great gain. So when we find Jesus and we learn, because it is a learned thing, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, we learn to be content in only Jesus and Jesus alone, then that equals great gain. But there's an order there. Jesus then comes contentment and that equals great gain. Y'all following me? But here's what we do with this equation. This is how we live our life. We mess it up and we say, great gain plus Jesus equals contentment. If I can just get this great gain over here and I'm going to give all my energy and resources and time and all these things and hopes into great gain, and then I'm going to pepper it and I'm going to salt it and I'm going to season it with Jesus because I want to be a good Christian boy and girl, right? And I want, I want that in my life still. It's got to be part of my life, right? So I'm going to go after the great gain, but I'm going to still try and include Jesus as best I can. And because of those two things in that order, I then will have contentment. But here's what happens. We don't find contentment. We don't find contentment because we put it out of order. We've changed the equation. We've made great gain our idol and our God. And we've made Jesus secondary in hopes of finding contentment. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I get the glory. It comes from me. And me alone. So let's change how we're doing things. And let's go after me with all your resources and time and energy. And then you will find contentment in me. And guess what? That is great gain. Because if you can be content in every season, in every situation, what else is there? What else is there? Proverbs 14.30. Y'all ready for this one? Take a deep breath. It says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Other translations say envy is the cancer to the bones. And I think there's some, there's some metaphor going on here with the writer of this proverb. But I believe there was actual literal truth in this. That when our heart is at peace, it gives life to our body. We are healthy when we are content. When our heart is at peace, no matter what we have or don't have, it is good for us physically, literally. Our health is good. But when we are constantly envying other people and comparing ourselves to other people and, and, and saying what well, we don't have all the time, it rots our insides. I know many of us in here can relate. When you have been stressed out and anxious and worrying all the time, there is a physical manifestation of that in us that makes us sick, that makes us hurt, all sorts of things. What God is saying here is like, look, this isn't just about the heart. It's about your physical being. And when you are content in me, you will feel better. Your heart is at peace, is good, and brings life to your body. But when you envy all the time, it rots your bones. Paul writes to the church in Philippi, and he says this in chapter 4, starting in verse 11. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Two points I want to make about that first. One is being content, you have to learn it. 
he says right here, I have learned to be content. Like in other words, it didn't just happen overnight. All right, I got Jesus. I'm content with everything, right? It is a process, but it is also not circumstantial. He says, whatever the circumstances, I have learned to be content in it. Well, then how do we learn to be content in all the circumstances? By being present with Jesus. He has to be in our lives all the time. If, we, if our only experience with Jesus is Sunday mornings, or maybe in your Bible study, that's not going to cut it. We have to continually have Jesus in our life, praying him in those moments where we start to compare, catch ourselves, and pray in that moment. Go back to Jesus. Go back to our first love all the time. And understand that he is our hope in every circumstance and in every situation. Not stuff. Not things. Not whatever fill in the blank that we've been searching for that isn't Jesus. It's only him. We did a series a, wh a while ago um, where we kind of took like real well-known verses, quotable verses that you, that you might see like, you know, framed in someone's house or whatever. And uh, this was one of those, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, right? And, and we, we take that verse a lot of times out of context where we think it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So there's that brick wall and I'm gonna run through it, right? But what Paul's saying here is, look, I can do all things, meaning I can be content when I have nothing. And when I have everything, I can still be content in Jesus and not in the everything. I'm not sure which one of those is harder. But that's what he's saying here. Saying, look, I can do it all through Christ who gives me the strength to be content in him and continue on with him and not be swayed by the day or whatever's going on, whether it's a good day or a bad day or who I talk to, this or that. No, no, no. My contentment comes from him alone. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what he has learned, and that's what we're pursuing. All right, back to Matthew chapter 18. After the disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Verse 2 says, Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. All right, family Sunday, kiddos. So here's the situation. The, the disciples are wanting to know who is best among them. And I love how Jesus answered. He calls a child. Now, back in the day, children were seen more as property than they were as people. They were to be seen and not heard, right? They'd had no, like, value in that day and age. They, chances are they weren't committing an entire Sunday in synagogue to seeing little kids get baptized. This wasn't happening, right? And so Jesus is making a statement before he even answers the question saying, come here, little, little child. And what I love about this too, on a side note, is how the child so readily goes to Jesus. Like there, there is an immediate, yes, I want to go. I want to go to you, right? There's this open invitation that these kids are drawn to Jesus. I just think that's incredible. Because how often, if an adult were to call a child back then, do you think they would wanted to go? You know, chances are it meant that they were like in trouble, had to do something. But when Jesus calls them, it's different. When Jesus calls us, it's always different. But he puts the child among them. And he tells them this. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. What does this mean in terms of comparison and in terms of greatness? Well, first he says, you got to let go of all that stuff. You got to 
find godliness, right? You've got to turn from your sins, repent, find Jesus, and then become like little children. And I was asking myself, well, what, what, is, what does that mean to, to be like little children in terms of, I just put it in the context of us, right? I think it means this. I think it means we dance in worship. I think it means when we are worshiping and praising on Sunday mornings, we act like children. You know, I lead worship here in the mornings here at the school, and, you know, there's certain songs that we do here, one that we've done for like, I don't know, 80,000 years, <laughs> with the same hand motions. It's called Waves of Mercy. And it's like every time we do it, it's like, yeah! They just love it, right? They start dancing because they're kids and it's fun. And you know what? That's okay. But if, the, if we did it on Sunday mornings, it would be, I don't know the song, I don't like the song, and I'm not going to move my arms, <laughs> all right? And Jesus is going, that's too bad because that's exactly how I want you to behave. I want you to be like children. I want you to dance in worship. And I think a lot of that goes with this, is the fact that being a Christian, following Jesus, y'all, I, I, I hope this doesn't blow your mind, but we're allowed to have fun, right? The life of Jesus is a fun life. And there are times of ministry and depth and tears and all the feels that, you, you know, cool. But there are also times where, oh, this worked. It might get loud. I didn't plan that. That worked out really well. Where we can, we can have fun, where we're supposed to have fun. I believe as the body of Christ, we should laugh louder than anybody else in the entire world. Because if the joy of the Lord is our strength, then it should reflect in how we behave and how we talk and how we interact with one another. Where people say, I want that. This world is, this world is crazy, but look at them over there. They're having a blast. Having hot dogs under a carport, right? But I think a lot of that comes from the fact that to be like a child with Jesus means not being jaded with the things of the Lord. Not being jaded with, okay, it's Sunday morning, we're going to do X amount of songs, we're going to do this, and we're going to go home, and it's going to be like this, and we're going to blah, 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 and everything just becomes routine. Everything just becomes routine. Like, we should not be jaded with the things of the Lord. We should be excited when we gather. We should be expectant when we gather, it should be Christmas morning every single Sunday at Beaches Chapel. Because this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is it, y'all. This is the day. It wasn't yesterday. It's not tomorrow. This is our time. Right now. And next Sunday, when we gather again, that's going to be the day. And then the one after that, and the one after that, and every single time, listen, we have to fight against our flesh sometime and wake ourselves up. Lord knows I've had to. Where I get here, I'm like, Lord, I, I know you have some good stuff planned, but I need you right now because I'm a little tired. I've had a week and all those things, but I believe that this is the day that you have made. So wake my heart up to what you have because I know that you are good and I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to, I can do that at home, y'all, and you can too. If, Father, forgive us if we get to that point where we are just checking off the box here at Beaches Chapel. Saying, all right, we did it. Let's go home. See you tomorrow. No, y'all. No. We want to have fun here. 
And we have some things we're looking at that are going to be that for us. A lot of stuff. We believe in laughter. We believe in food. We believe... I mean, that wasn't a joke, but sure. Uh, but we do, and it's good, and I'm excited for that. Matthew 18, uh, finishing this, this little scene with Jesus and the disciples and the child, says in verse 4, So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's amazing. I want there always to be more kids being baptized than adults here. I love that. That we are raising them up. We are investing in them so that they, they can avoid the pitfalls of adolescence and college and all those things. But they can make a decision in second, third, fourth grade, whatever grade, saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. And we believe and we stand with the parents and those kids saying, you are, and we're here to help you. If we can be as humble as these little children, then we will have great gain. To become as humble as a little, child, as a little child means to give up all cares for claims of power. You can put in parentheses money in that, in status. Giving up all claims of, of power and status. In being content with Jesus and Jesus alone. When he calls us, we readily go. We readily go. And I want to make sure you hear me on this, that I'm not calling us to be poor. It's not about being poor. It's about being dependent. Who are we dependent on? Are we dependent on great gain or on godliness? Because I believe truthfully, y'all, that Christians, that people that walk with Jesus, we should be at the forefront of every industry that's out there. Like we should be the ones leading the charge in all those things. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit, right? Who gives us wisdom and who gives us creativity and who gives us the power to walk in what he's called us to do, to be, to be everything that he has called us to be in those moments. And that is a weapon, I'm sorry, y'all, that anyone that doesn't have Jesus don't got. So we should be at the front of all those things. But it should be to glorify Jesus. It should be still dependent on Jesus. Not to say, look at me here, I made it, I have great gain, I'm going to season it with Jesus, and then I'm going to be content. We have to check ourselves on that. It's not about being poor. It's about being dependent on Jesus and everything that he has. And I believe as children come to Jesus, the last thing that they are asking is, who is greatest among us, Jesus? You know what they're saying? I love you, Jesus. Thank you for calling me. When the world wouldn't see me, and I was viewed more as property than as a person. You called me, and you are all that I care about. Man, we start doing that. There is our great gain. There it is. So I want the band come back up, and I want to read uh, this one or a couple verses as we close this morning. Out of Psalm chapter 16, starting in verse 8, it says, I know the Lord is always with me, I will not be shaken. For he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy 
of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's contentment. Knowing that Jesus is with us all the time. And so no matter the circumstances, we our heart is at peace because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for us and was raised again and it was left the tomb, is with us. And he can handle it. And all we have to do is rest in him. And that is where we find that contentment. We run after him. We run after godliness. We find contentment in him. And then we get the great game. But we can't mess up that equation. And if this morning you have been struggling with comparison, maybe even walking in fear over it, like, I don't know what I'm doing. They have all this. Life isn't looking like I thought it was. You've just been comparing and comparing and comparing and comparing. I'm going to let that go this morning. I'm going to pray for you right where you're at. And then we're going to worship. And I'm, I'm going to change it up on us a little bit. Um, sorry, y'all. But I want to challenge us this morning. Let's, let's, let's get right to it. And let's praise like kids. Let's have some fun. We're going we're gonna to sing Glorious Day again. And uh, I want us to have some fun this morning as we close. Lunch is waiting for you. We added cookies and chips to the menu. Praise Jesus. You know, growth in that as well. So everyone that's like, I'm only getting a free hot dog. All right, we heard you, all right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but I want, I want to pray for us first. Because I know this is real. This is hard. You do everything in your power. And it can be gone like that. We just start comparing. We think less of ourselves. So why don't we stand up? And if that's you this morning, just be in agreement with me. We're not going to raise our hands or anything, but that's just where, if that's you, right where you're at, just hear these words, take hold of them. And let's trust that Jesus has great things for us. It's said in here, one of our verses, that God richly, richly gives us the joy in our lives. He richly gives it. God does. God is richer than us. He, has, he, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all his. So if he's richly going to give us, isn't that what we want? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. God, we just want to say we are sorry when we get caught up in the trap of comparison. And we put you on the back burner and we, we search other things to give us fulfillment, to give us contentment. God, things that we, you know, we fight for status and power and all those things, God. We, we just try and keep up with the Joneses all the time, Lord. We, get, we, we lose you in it. And when we look at our life and, we, and we're honest with ourselves in the mirror, we are we're searching great gain and trying to pepper it with Jesus to get content with him. God, we just want to say forgive us. God, have mercy on us. We are sorry when we have put you in second or third or fourth place. And God, I ask right now that we would change the order. That we would find you. God, that we would return to our first love. And that as we start to travel down that road of comparison, we would stop ourselves. Your Holy Spirit would remind us not to, and we would run back to you. And that God, as we spend time with you, as we get in your word, as we pray, as we come to church and we we join community groups and, and build relationally here, God, that we're going to all of a sudden see that we're different and our contentment is found in you and our lives are better. Our marriages are better. 
how we parent is better because we found that great game, but it's been through you. God, return us to our first love, which is you. And God, we're, we're sorry we haven't been coming to you like, like children, just excited to see you, just excited to be with you without any condition. God, give us that joy again to not care, to only be obsessed with being in your presence. God, we love you. We thank you that you're patient with us. And when we turn back to you, you're right there. You don't make us like, you know, qualified again. You're just there. So thank you for that, Lord. And then just again, for all those that have been struggling with comparison, God, I pray that you would release them of that burden right now, right now in Jesus' name. That's you in this room. That's you watching online. Right now in Jesus' name, be released of that burden that is not yours to carry. God has you. He loves you. He knows your future. You are in his hand. You do not need to worry. You do not need to be afraid. You do not need to look at the person over there and say, why them and not me? He loves you. You are his child. And he's never going to leave you. He is never going to forsake you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's worship.